Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, where we look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the expansion of Heathrow Airport. Nick, this has been going on, this has been discussed since 2006. Uh, why is it taking so long to to take a decision? Um, yeah, well, it involves a lot of uh, a lot of interested parties. So you've got there's a lot. Uh, you, it's rumbled on in a different form for for as you say, you know, twelve years or so. Um, the government, different governments have supported and opposed it. So the Conservatives originally opposed it, and then in two thousand and nine they supported it, and then in twenty ten when we had the coalition between the Lib Dems. And the Tories, because the Lib Dems opposed it, it, they then opposed it again. So they put it on hold. And and then, although the government officially supports it, lots of people in the government who don't like things like airports and prefer, you know, country villages, uh, they're against it. So the, gov- the, the there isn't sort of universal support there at all. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, and it, obviously it's very expensive as well. So the government's got a requirement to have lots of studies and impact assessments and, you know, cost benefit analyses and so on. Um, and um, anyway, it's a close. It's going to happen. That's the that's mm. the latest situation is going to happen. So which means demolishing some villages and things to build this third runway um, to the north of the other two runways. Uh, so obviously there's lots of people who don't want that to happen. And then uh, lots of other people who say, well, the you know, the economic benefits to the UK are. Are, are worth it you know worth the cost um anyway i think the the interesting thing about these sorts of decisions and the the, the this is an example of something which has really has rumbled on for a long time because no one's really had it at the top of their entry uh it's not the sort of thing i think that any politician wants to really put their name on and and that's one of the reasons it's it's sort of waxed and waned as an issue important though it is um and and I think this is you know one of the things that we're interested in is this idea of political capital that you have as politicians tend to they act like they have a sort of stock of political capital which they can spend on things and it just seems to be the case that no politician until sort of very recently has has decided to spend that capital on on the um, on the the Heathrow expansion so uh, yeah the question is what is political capital is it anything real is it totally made up and you know how do we how do you know if you've got it and and what's a good way to use it and and how do you make sure you don't lose it but so before we go on and answer that question directly it seems to me that one of the questions this raises is if you're in a democracy uh, then this kind of stuff's difficult if you're in a dictatorship then great you just charge ahead and do it and some like build some dam somewhere and you know destroy loads of wildlife no, big and- myth Big myth. Yeah, or, I, or, 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 or but it'd be like the dictators French. Are wor- it's worse for dictators, I think. They have to worry more about where their support is coming from because it isn't. they don't have this great big democratic mandate. So, that, that, you know, if you look at the way that dictatorships operate um, or, you know, countries which sort of have a quite a large non-democratic component, you know, so you, on one hand, you've got your kind of North Koreas where it's sort of looks like absolute rule, certainly from the outside. Uh, through to things like Iran, which you know certainly have a have a sort of sizable democratic element, but also there's a lot of power invested in non-democratic uh, institutions. Um, you know, through to uh, through to uh, total sort of democracies, like I suppose like the US. Um, the UK isn't quite there, is it? But uh, so yeah, I mean, in all of those places, 
people have to worry about where their power is coming from. And I'd say in a dictatorship, it's not it's it's different where that power comes from, but it comes from somewhere. People don't just have it's not true that someone could just, you know, if 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 um, Kim, uh, you know, decided to do things that all his generals hated, then I suspect, you know, he'd be removed from power pretty quickly. Um, you know, dictators have to worry a lot about about uh, you know the threat of being removed from power in a way more so because the consequences are often quite fatal. And it's I guess it's more clear cut in a democracy where part of your political capital is coming from is the fact that you've got a mandate. Yeah. So so exactly. So there's that kind of overt element which yeah. you don't and necessarily get in a dictatorship. Um, so yeah, I mean I think the p- political opera. I, I would imagine the skills are pretty similar. Though. Yeah. And sorry, just before you come in, Peter, in somewhere like China, how do you become, um, you know, the leader in China? You have to accumulate a series of positions, essentially. And, and yeah, Peter. Uh, yeah, well, and this example of of uh, run uh, the new runway right next to Heathrow is it's more more or less universally hated by everyone who lives in West London. So, uh, and the mayor of London office being a, a, a crucial power base in UK democracy. You've got to keep the mayor of London on side, which means he's got to keep his voters on side. So, uh, if the UK was a, uh, a, a dictatorship, it would still be very hard to, to make to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So, let's go on to answering some of the questions that um, that Nick posed there. So, what is uh, political capital? How do you get it? How do you maintain it? And there are some other things in there. Um, Peter, do you want to yeah. pick up on this? Uh, well, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's lots of political theorists who, who draw an analogy with uh, currency and political capital. It's some sort of invisible, ephemeral money that you can you can accrue by doing favours for people, by doing things that other people like or want you to do, that you can then cash in. So if I do lots of nice things for you, Fraser, you're more likely to forgive me if I then do something you don't like. So that's me spending... Build a uh, runway in my garden. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, if I tend all your flowers, and then you're less likely to hate me if I come and build a runway on top of them. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah it, in, very, in, in very similar ways, it acts like a currency because uh, it, it's difficult to sort of spend it more than once. Um, you can't... Uh, you, 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 the, the, the market of opinion does keep a good tally on how much generally you're disliked. And uh, if you're disliked too much, then you're removed from power, be it through election or through through uh, through coup. Yeah, so, uh, so, so as a currency, you can spend it, and you can spend it to affect the behavior of other people. So you're essentially buying and trading favors um, and goodwill. Do you think it's one of those things where it, it's the fact that we're discussing it and asking the question, what is political capital, that one of the skills that politicians have is that they have maybe have a more nuanced sort of sense than the rest of us about what it is and they have a feel for I've got the capital to do this or I don't have it or it's slipping away and that's do you think that's part of what defines politicians it could be yeah it's, it's, it, I mean the keeping a being a, aware of how you are perceived and um, how much you're liked is a probably a skill that you can learn um, probably a skill you get for free if you're a sociopath but um, it's uh, yeah it, I can see that being something you can practice and get better at the keeping keeping tabs on that sort of thing um there's a there's an interesting distinction that there's political theorists did draw distinction between two types of political capital often uh, one is representative uh, and one is uh, reputational and the, it's the representative bit is kind of what you get for free being in a certain sort of job so a um, based on your your status your social status or your job status um, the, the prime minister has more 
um, representative capital than, say, a, a, a lower politician or a, a, just a, a normal member of parliament. Um, but also, the repu but reputational is more about your credibility and reliability, which comes from being seen to be consistent in an ideology or a, 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 on a side of argument um, and being reliable and credible and truth, uh, trustworthy, etc. Makes you kind of more bankable. In terms more bankable, of exactly, yes, yeah. And and um, and there's some some comment that there's a sort of shift from one to the other in more, in modern politics. And whether or not that's true, I don't know. But uh, you could you could you could easily generate counter arguments. But um, that uh, politics, modern politics, is more about personality than it ever has been. Uh, like politics of the 18th 19th century was more about your social status, um, and you get a lot of cachet. Just by being uh, the, the the Lord Mountbatten or such and such, um, and that's where a lot of your influence come from would be your social standing, as much as your reliability, as much as your reputational. And so, sorry, this probably won't be. Just to clarify, um, what were you say, saying? The two types were you said there's a distinction between two. Yeah, so re representative. Well, that's kind of like what job you've got. Yeah, and uh, uh, reputational, which is sort of got it. How, okay, yeah, I've cool. always found that quite uh, mysterious, actually, because you one thing you learn when you when you become a civil servant is the sort of hierarchy of departments, you know, and so the uh, obviously the the prime minister comes first, even though the prime minister doesn't really have any kind of formal power as such. You know, there's no nothing he's in charge of other than all the other departments. She actually. As she in this case, yeah. Actually, before you go on and explain, and I, I really want to hear about this, let me take a quick guess as a never having been a civil servant. So as okay, you say, yeah, so number, what's the set, number two job? Um, the Exchequer. Yes, so, Chancellor is definitely number two. And then next I would say the Home Secretary. Yeah, well, Foreign Secretary. I oh, think, really? He's usually judged to be uh, a pub. But you've got the big, the big, uh, the other two would be Home Secretary and Foreign Secretary. And then um, basically a bunch of sort of also runs, you know, even including the, the MOD, which I found surprising. I was in the MOD and I thought I, I found it surprising that the MOD, which has all the guns, um, was was sort of low, <laughs> fairly low status on the cabinet table, and um, and and it's that they put a lot of store by literally physically where they sit. You know, the chancellor sits uh, next to the prime minister, I think, or or opposite, and um, you know the other departments are quite close to the prime minister. And then as you get lower and lower status, you're more towards the edge of you know the cabinet yeah. table, which is a very long table. And DWPs so in the corridor. Yeah, exactly. DCMS is making the tea. <laughs> you know, and um, who's DCMS? What's the DWP? Department of Culture Media in sport okay um and um yeah and I, and I just sort of think well why you know why what makes the foreign secretary more important now and so this is one of, one of the puzzles for me about political capital is why um why people do not just do things that are a good idea like why you would take into account so let's put it this way let's imagine we had a sort of favor economy where you did me a favor and then um, you asked me to do you a favour and it's, you know, something I really don't want to do. What value should I put in doing you the favour? Why, why, how, how much is that worth to me? Like, and, and why is it worth anything at all? Like, so, what are the negative consequences if I don't recipro reciprocate with that, with that favour? Okay. So, so, me... so, and that's the puzzle for me about polit political capital is why, uh, why people, you, I suppose the question is this, if I'm going to summarise the question that I have, is does it correspond to anything real, right? Or is it only there, 
only because people believe it exists. So, you know, let's take a favor economy. Let's imagine we have a there's a street where we all do each other favors, and you've done ten favors with people, and you and they owe they owe you a bunch of favors, and that's how it works. Now you could say, well, does it correspond to anything uh, real in the sense that you know? Sorry. So in in a favor economy, if we all suddenly forgot that we had those favors, right? Um, that you'd accrued those favors. If we all woke up one day and forgotten that you you had them all together, uh, then they wouldn't exist. They would have no bearing on anything anyone did. Now, is political capital like that? Like, is it a thing that only exists because people believe it exists and they behave that way? Yes. Go or on. is it? Does it correspond to something real? So, for example, you know, popularity of a of a leader seems to me very closely correlated with their political capital, their approval ratings seem to be important in judging how how much people perceive them to be able to achieve uh now that's a real thing so so you know if that if if well, what is this... it but is it though if everyone forgot what happened over the last six months that would include how how much they liked the person because what they, they no, like no, the no, person no. because I mean, they do or do okay, don't but do as certain far things. as the political capital economy is concerned what i'm saying is it, it, it's found let's say we forgot about political capital we just forgot that there was a concept of political mm. capital for a minute. The fact would nevertheless remain that this person was a popular prime minister. And and if that meant that they could do more stuff, then hey presto, political capital would de facto re-emerge as a concept. And it would be founded on these real things that someone had. You yeah. know, is it founded on their charm and their, you know, their ability their their ability to persuade people and how friendly they are or how how yeah. you know well, is it, is, well, is how it not, intelligent they are is and, it not know, simply possible then that political capital is partly if not completely the same thing as their popularity well no, but that's, hold on. that's what i'm asking well okay maybe. so isn't so going back to the beginning of your question there um which i can't quite remember but um is it real or is it entirely manufactured well, look, I don't know the answer to that, but let's. What I do know is this, right? Is the the reason why it works, whether we believe, let's say belief in it works, is because it's the potential to that person to be able to be in a position to actually carry out what they want to do. If you're asking them a favor, okay, um, and are they able to, and are they likely to, um, and do they have a track record of doing so, for example? Um, and so that's that's what it is, right? And that's why the exchequer, uh, the 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 finance ministry is is most powerful because they that's where the money is and money helps um, right. make so these decisions. Are we using political capital as a shorthand for lots of real actual power? Or so it, what's the it, difference between political capital and power? I guess pa- political capital is is uh, well. The idea is that I mean I'd say the difference is that the, the, the political capital is something. I mean, this is part of the question, but that political capital is something you can sort of build up and accrue over time. Uh, it's an abstract it's, it's, thing that you can sort have of like of quite... sort of like futures in power. Yeah, it's sort of the ability. Power is what you can do right now. That's kind of the measure measure of power. But political capital is what keeps you in that position to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, so it's like a it's like a time derivative of power yeah but it de- i mean it, look it definitely exists right i'm not saying uh, so what i mean is political capital as a concept works really well it's a really good metaphor um and you look at things like you know the, the, the all of these phenomena that people get very worked up about like um you know the first hundred days of a president which are judged to be super important 
that you have to you know you that's the time they can really get things done you know like roosevelt and new deal and you know trump and and all of the kind of uh you know crazy crazy trumpy things that he did mm. um you, you know getting them through and I, and that's uh, and that that i think works and the concept of a lame duck is is a really useful one you know that a prime minister who's no or is president particularly you know in the last few days where they've got no hope of re-election either because their term's coming up or because they're massively unpopular cannot get anything done no one's everyone is sort of desert deserts them like a sinking mm. ship so it definitely works as a metaphor um but i just wonder if it, it, it with it with a thinking of it as a sort of separate abstract currency adds anything um, so you know like you've got so is it is it possible to imagine someone with no formal power but lots of political capital yeah definitely well what name someone so for example um in um i'd say two examples in somewhere like china uh when the leader i mean their their power definitely becomes eroded but they've still got capital um when they cease to be president of i forget what the official name is but when when they cease to be president of the country they still have some power they still have got some political capital even though unofficially they may not. Or I can think um, um, in jobs I've had where someone's been promoted and people will still go to that person. They might be in another department because they still hold some sway over people. I, th- I think, I know, I think oh, well, in this country, you, ha- you have the, ro- the royal family. They have no direct power. They can't influence any policy, but they can throw the weight around on the international stage and people love a royal visit. Um, but I think on a, on a sort of micro micro level, where any, listeners will probably recognise, it's the guy in the office who's massively popular but isn't the boss, who everyone in the office will listen to over the boss, mm. just mm. because he's charismatic and or she is charismatic and well, popular and funny and exciting and attractive or whatever. They you know they 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 exert they have a form of power but no formal power. Yeah, yeah. but that's that's de- that's what you've described is decomposable into those features of that person into the feature the measurable features of that person as having those things um that's that's what i'm saying is is actually is it just that well i, I, mean, I, 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 just, I think i think it is i think i think you could you could we could we could define a model for um, uh, for measuring po- uh, political capital which would be we could test using things like how popular are they how many uh, how many policies have they got through all these sorts of things and we could correlate with that with the, with measures of success and i think they would correlate 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 pretty well so yes it would be we were trying to sort of measure someone's kudos yeah so you measure you measure multi multi-faceted measure of Q, index of kudos um and then compare that to how successful they are in career you have to decide what one kudo would uh, mm. would correspond to how you would spend that <laughs> You know what, what the conversion rate between a kudo which, and a pound was. Which this brings me nicely onto a thought that I've had. Like since since it's it's like a currency, but we just can't see it and touch it. Um, and it's obviously very important. Is there, could we formalise it in some way? Could we develop some sort of metric? Oh, cool. So I could, can actually have a wallet, like a, a Bitcoin wallet, but full of political capital. Exactly. Yeah. So you're so, so you 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 you're paying a sort of you're paying political capital those people that you like. And that gives them power to do stuff with that. So if you like Theresa May at the moment, you could say, "Okay, here's I'll give you, I'll give you five kudos yeah. every day of of my kudo allowance that, that that accrues over time as a voter." Yeah, but you and I mean, then that I gives feel them like you you should everyone shouldn't get the same amount of kudos. Well, that, well, how, I want, I how, like how the market flow down works will will depend. But if then if then Theresa May needs to get something done that 
it's massively unpopular. She she will use those kudo points to to pay off. She uh, can pay off her the opposition with yeah the, exactly. With well, the she, yeah, if so, if she will pay more kudos to those people who are going to be negatively affected by the things she's trying to do, which gives them more political capital in the future to spend on other things that they do want to do. Well, that's and that's allegedly how it works, right? So it's actually yeah. just making that clearer. Yeah, because I, I was wondering actually if political capital. One of my thoughts, which I'm not sure I can develop into anything particularly coherent, is the idea that um, political capital is. Uh, actually to do more to do with the it's a sort of metaphor which solves a problem of not actually knowing how popular or successful someone is going to be but simply having some information about it and you know being able to so if someone says well i'm really i want this project you know here's a, a, a new policy that i've got i want to crack down on homeless people or something something sort of superficially quite unpopular but you know, if you if you have enough information about that person's intelligence, intelligence and their track record and their you know ability to marshal people and be persuasive, um, you know, then you're that gives you an incentive to support them because you, you're going to say, well, you know, like this is going to happen anyway, and I'd rather be on the winning side. Mm. So I wonder, I wondered if it was something to do with um, you know a, a summary of the information about about someone which is would yeah. be unknown well, I, I think it's I, sorry Fraser I'm just going to we're just going to keep talking over you the, uh, I think it's something similar I've got no I, capital I, yeah you haven't you, yeah um, I'll have a cup of tea Fraser if you're right. Um, uh, the I think it's I think it might be a proxy for sort of generally how good an idea is so um, popular people there's lots of people who agree with them so you, you could you could say that well if they're having if they want to get something done then because they're popular, it's more likely that more people are going to like that thing that they want to get done. Yeah, although I think the I feel like the notion of it is almost it's what you pay for bad ideas sort of thing. You know, um, it's it's you, you're eating into your political capital when you're pushing something unpopular through. Uh, unpopular doesn't necessarily you, you, mean bad, but only but... unpopular only with the people that don't like it. For many issues are contentious in the in so much as half the population will support it and half the population won't think brexit more or less more or less down the middle um so you're to get brexit through you are spending political capital with those people who don't want it to happen but you are getting more political capital from the people who do want it to happen yeah, yeah. it's only it's only in cases where okay it's best off for everybody if we if we um get rid of the nhs let's just say that that's one that's what our party wants to do, do this term that's going to be hugely unpopular with nearly everybody so you're going to have to spend a lot of political capital on on everything to get that done. Yeah, but I think the state comes from it's it's more or less impossible to work out what good is in terms of an idea in terms of a policy because yeah. they're all difficult so difficult to measure. Well, that's that's but that's what I think. You know, that's that's that makes sense to me. That in lieu of being able to really know which things we ought to do, we actually just look at the decision makers and we rate them. You know, okay. look at their upvotes. Okay, um, we need to uh, draw to a close, but just before we do, uh, very briefly, um, <clears throat> Nick, how much political capital have you got? Um, well, there is this question of whether or not political capital is something you can have in an organisation as well. And I feel like you probably can, but it's hard to distinguish it from things like social capital. Um, but I, I think uh, almost none. I think I've only got political capital as a voter. I mean, as a director of a company, I've got, you know, theory, political political power within the company. Um, 
But since the other directors... Hence these portraits of you we see exactly, everywhere. yes. And the, the requirement to worship me every morning and that sort of thing. <laughs> just little stuff like that. Yeah, so... Uh, I, but I don't, I don't think... Yeah, I mean, the, my domain is, is very small. So mm. I don't... Certainly compared to someone like Theresa May... My political power is pretty minimal. Political, mm. political capital is pretty minimal. Peter, well, um, well yes, likewise. I mean, um, I suppose in social groups, I, I don't believe I've got any reason to think I've got more social capital than anybody else in that group. It's not that like I'm a scout leader or something that gives me some sort of authority, or officially recognised authority. So yeah, I mean, and as a as a voter, um, I've got one little vote every few years. And that's about, all, about, about it. Okay. Because this has been something on my mind recently. Because I, I, about three months ago, I started um, a full-time role. Um, and so you come into that organization fresh. No one knows you and you want to get stuff done. But it's not always easy to get stuff done. And so steadily, one thing I'm quite conscious of is that I am building and I'm looking to build up my political capital within that organization. And... Um, yeah and there's progress and it's going well and people know me and sometimes it might just be because they like me um but sometimes yeah because you deliver a result um and you start sort of yeah build a presence within that organization and it's quite a nice feeling when it's going well yeah so i, I can't i can't be doing with it anymore that's one of the yeah. reasons i left a large yeah quite yeah to worry about it anymore yeah but my my mine is based on sort of bringing you know good things to all people so yeah just being the kind of general sort of the cornucopia of a man that you are that's the one that's the one <laughs> um okay right we're going to wrap up there so thank you very much uh, for listening i'm fraser mcgrew we've been here with peter coghill and nick hale of aleph insights uh yeah thank you for listening and until next time goodbye Thank you.